Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast, Make Climate Cool Again. I'm your host, Sarah Miltenberger. First off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone. I Every week, I'm just sort of blown away by the love and support of you all. The messages I get are so sweet, and I think it goes to show just how excited people are to get involved with the podcast. And I'm constantly trying to think of new ways to get people involved, so... It's just, it's just really nice, and every time you share the podcast, it feels like a warm hug. I'm getting all the hugs, and not like a Joe Biden hug, like a real hug your mom gives you. Are we still hugging with the coronavirus? I don't really want to get into this topic of the coronavirus right now because it's for sure an entire episode that I want to do, and I've already started taking notes on it, but anyway, virtual hugs still feel good. So keep sharing and showing your support. Let's continue to grow and support each other. Today's episode has a really great story. I found Waltic on Reddit, actually, an app I recently downloaded. I did well enough in my life not to need Reddit for like 10 years and am now just dipping my toe in. So don't come for me. I'm an early adopter for eco things, but typically not social media platforms. Uh, Fede Baroni, he is the founder. He's in the Netherlands. So we were trying to figure out a time to chat that also allowed you time to be able to go and support their Kickstarter campaign, which is running right now. There's one week left. They have a deal right now for one day where you can actually get the watch for 50% off. I'm a big supporter of them. I've backed them. I... I'm just excited for where they're going and what they're capable of. And we're going to get into that part of the episode in just a minute in the interview. I want you to pause the episode and go run and support this Kickstarter as fast as you're running to go buy hand sanitizer from Amazon, okay? Because they're doing really good things. Before we get into the interview, I ran into a friend from college who listens. And she liked that I talk about different products that are actually good and not greenwashing. And I was just thinking about... Maybe starting a section of the podcast where I do talk about products because it is such a big deal for me. Um, buying things that are have integrity, and I've been starting to reach out to brands so I can review some other products that I think are cool. But I'm also aware of my footprint. So to start, I do want to just talk about Blue Land a little bit. They're coming on the podcast in the spring. But I'm a really big fan of their packaging and sort of this concept of soap being a tablet. It's super easy to use. The packaging is zero waste. When you get your kit, it's just a corrugate cardboard box. And the containers are monoplastic, so they're easy to recycle. However, I think my biggest complaint about the brand is that it's a pretty high startup cost. Like I recently ran out of soap in my bathroom and my Blue Land soap from the starter kit, starter kit's about $35, uh, it's in the kitchen. But to get a new soap container just for soap, it's $16. In the starter kit has like three bottles, a bunch of tablets, and the soap container. So I'm sure if I had a foaming hand soap container, like something from Target or Bath and Body Works, I could have just used that and ordered the tablets. So I'm wondering, I wish these companies could create like a DIY level of their products or how can we integrate their tablets into what we already own so that it's 
even more sustainable so you don't have to buy the $16 container. Maybe this is something we can talk about with them in the podcast interview. But in general, I really like their products. They smell great. The all-purpose cleaner is the bomb.com. So go check them out. I'm in the process of also checking out Clean Cult, which some of you may see on Instagram. I'm going to be testing these out, and whichever one I like better, I may do a giveaway. So stay tuned on that. And lastly, I want to talk about the Lent Plastic Challenge, which is really focusing on just cutting out single-use plastics. We're one week in. Guys, I'm doing really well. Uh, I think the major concern that even I'm realizing is food packaging, like granola bars, snacks that you unwrap and then you throw it out. I'm, I'm thinking I should be collecting them to send to TerraCycle, but it's just something I've noticed more and more. I might do an IGTV video of all of my tools and do a whole update, but just wanna stay accountable to you about what's happening. But definitely share what you guys are doing for the Lent Plastic Challenge or the 40 Day Plastic Challenge. Use the hashtag 40SUP. 40SUP stands for 40 single-use plastics. So 40 days of not using single-use plastics. Jessica Carr and I are kind of running this. She was in the last episode. We talked all about it. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. Okay, now that we've gone through all the updates for the week, let's get into the interview. I'm excited. It's gonna. It's a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know your thoughts. Go support them. And let's have some fun with it. So I am here with Federico Baroni, who is the CEO of Waltic, a watch company that makes their watches out of plastic bags. And I found Waltic, I think through Reddit. I've been really getting into Reddit lately. And, um, and then we just started talking and I think it turns out you guys have a Kickstarter going on right now. And I was like, we gotta get you on the podcast as soon as we can. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me actually. And yes, well, I'm really shocked about uh, how how's Reddit helping me to spread the campaign, mostly in the States. The, most of the users are, are from the States, but yeah, it's really interesting. And well, having these kind of opportunities or uh, situations is really cool and interesting. I'm really grateful. So it is funny how um, I think just in this space, sustainability is so hard, whether you're creating a product, whether you're helping companies with their strategy. I think there's this closeness in the sustainability community that is just like, we're all here together. We're all trying to solve the same problem. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel like everyone helps each other more than maybe other industries. So I find that uh, that's interesting. And you said like a lot of people yeah. from the US have like jumped on board to Waltic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was really interesting because before I was focused on, for example, the European market or something. Like, I mean, since I've been spreading the campaign through Reddit, well, I just found that uh, a lot of people from the States are really interesting, uh, worried about 
plastic pollution mm -hmm. and how they could try to, I don't know, to help in some point. Uh, so that's a really interesting fact that I just found. I wonder cool. if that's because maybe the smaller countries don't get the same exposure to marine pollution as our coastlines, as the U.S. coastlines do. And, and also I just feel like in Europe it's a standard. You know, there are more environmental standards, so there's this, well, it should be made that way anyway, whereas in America we're like, oh, my God, a green product that – you know, it's made of plastic bags, you know, the, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And you're from Argentina originally, but you're calling me from the Netherlands. Tell yeah. me a little bit about like your story, <laughs> like how, how did you end up where you are right now? Okay, well, uh, actually, family is originally from Italy, grew up there. And well, I, I've been in contact with nature my entire life because, for example, my, my, my parents are wildlife rangers. Well, they, they're sailors as well. They're quite uh, such an adventurers. So they taught me about to, to take care of nature, to don't mess with nature, you know. So I just found this middle point to make a project, a sustainable one, and in a sustainable way, actually. I started with an eco-friendly wallet. Since that, I've been working in, I don't know, the accessories field, you know, but watches, mm -hmm. sunglasses, yeah, and, and well, these wallets. From that moment, when I created the, the first wallet, it changed my entire vision about stuff because I was like most of the things that we use today could be made it out of recycled plastic or a biodegradable material or anything. It's, the plastic is not that necessary at all. So, well, I started to to do my research, for example, to make wooden watches. For Waltic, I was crafting wooden watches, but the thing is, I just realized that I was standing out of the problem. I wasn't putting my hands on the problem about plastic pollution, for example, and trying to solve it in some point. Okay, so you were doing your research, you were, mm -hmm. you realized after looking at wooden watches, you weren't really you were standing outside the problem and you realized you needed to do something with plastic, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, I, I was really aware of the problem because, well, uh, because of my parents that they taught me to sail when I was a child. I, I was surrounded by all kind of plastics floating around um, and it was quite disgusting but during those years i mean I, i'm talking about like 10 years ago or something so so it's probably so that it's probably not as bad as it is even now which is scary yeah but the thing is during those years where it, it's not a common thing to talk about you know uh, i think I, I during those days i, I never uh, heard the word microplastic or anything so um, it wasn't like oh, okay it's just plastic yeah it's just plastic uh, floating around it, it doesn't hurt anyone but well the thing uh, now we know that yeah it, it, it's really harmful when the plastic gets in contact with water um i, I was in the rivers sailing around and i detected all these 
plastics again and I decided to do something because well I started to do my research and what I found out that for example for all the plastic bags just 1% of them is recycled 160,000 plastic bags are produced every second so and also is the most difficult plastic item to recycle due to the low density of the material because it's not profitable to recycling companies so well I, I decided to start this research I the team with my some colleagues uh, in Argentina and we started to run some tests and well that's why I started the project to try to do something with the worst material ever yeah um, well, Oh gosh. And can I just ask, like, how old are you? I think for people that think that they're too young or too old to start a business or to solve a problem, because you seem pretty young to me. <laughs> I'm 23. 23. Okay. Um, yeah. I knew you were yeah. <laughs> seemed younger because I was like, you're a young entrepreneur, I think. And I think that's really exciting. I also, for those that, you know, maybe you're Googling Waltic right now or while you're listening to the episode, what's really interesting about these watches is they're not just watches. Like they are, they're stunning. Like they are so beautiful. They're, I think a lot of times companies end up choosing not being sustainable over design. And it ends up like breaking my heart a little bit because they have such a like vision for what they want something to look like. And the eco-friendly way just, isn't part of that. And I think what's great about Waltic is that you've been able to combine design with a mission and make an eco-friendly product that is really a conversation starter. And, and it's funny that you chose watches because watches is something people really notice when you're in meetings. Um, yeah. People are like, Oh, I really like your watch. It's like kind of like shoes, shoes and watches I think are very similar in that people notice yeah. them and yeah. to be able to say like, Oh, my watch is made out of recycled bags. Then you can like really start a conversation about why that's important and why you are into it. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And yes, well, the other day I was taking the train and volleyball team just jump uh, jump in and say oh you have a really nice watch and i was like oh thank you it's uh, made of recycled plastic bags oh cool 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 <laughs> well i started a conversation right away because well they, they uh, liked the watch yeah so, so you make some uh, sort of uh, an awareness yeah uh, in your day daily life and i found that quite interesting and well why a watch is in purpose actually not because i i was just working with watches but it's because for example it's such an iconic thing to think about about time you know about the time we have left about the time it's time to act to do something so i found it really interesting to play with the concept of time a watch and well it's the preservation conservation of the planet so that's why i keep it that way working in a watch actually because i, I could choose another item or another product but i i decided to stay with the watches it's super cool no i love it and um i think just how did you 
come up with the design? I mean, I know you were looking at wooden watches before, or maybe I'm like, now I'm getting into trade secrets. I don't know. But I just think that no, it's, it's so secret. cool how, how you, looks like you on your Kickstarter, you played around with a lot of different options. How many iterations did you have of the watch? Like how many prototypes? Well, actually that, that's the thing. Um, the, the good thing about my experience before with the, the wooden watches, it was like I, I could extrapolate now from one project to another. And it was really, really cool because, well, we save a lot of uh, time actually in the development of the watch. We have like three versions of the watch until this one. We just started with, we established some rules for the watch, like uh, some mandatory size that we, we can't change. So is the case has to be one centimeter height. The wooden watch working that way, okay, we, we can't change that. I mean, we have to replicate that in, in the new one. It was really difficult was to put the, the hands in the inside because you can't reach certain thinness with our machines. So um, because of the hands are really, really tight. So it makes it, this window. it makes it a little bit thicker is because you need that yeah, space. Exactly. Got exactly. it. Exactly. So yeah, we open this window to well, save some space. Mm -hmm. And well, we, we merged it. We did it in a creative way. So you can see the machine as well. And well, you, you play with, with the components of the watch. Um, but yeah, well, in, in the new version, the one we are developing for this Kickstarter campaign, uh, we, we will hide the machine, actually. You have this watch, you're going to get through this Kickstarter campaign. It's going to be 100% fully funded by March 12th, I think is the mm -hmm. last day. And then what? What's your plan? And then what? Okay, well, let me tell you <laughs> something. I'm going to Argentina to lead um, a massive cleanup there. Uh, we are organizing this event with uh, several environmental groups. So that's really interesting. We will do the cleanup uh, in Cordoba. And well, with all that plastic, we will craft the new version of the watch. Yeah, and you have a pretty big team right now. How did you find... How did you find your team? Are they located everywhere or are they all in the Netherlands? Are you split between Argentina and the Netherlands? Yeah, well, we are split. Uh, I have a Dutch partner here that uh, he's a former banker. I have my technical team in Argentina that well, is, uh, are the guys who helped me to craft the, the, the first watch. Uh, we are split it because, well, uh, we, we, we have my, my team in Argentina, the technical one, and the design team. Well, I'm looking forward to add more people to the team here in the Netherlands. We are looking forward to have a meeting with the City Hall of Amsterdam to organize uh, some cleanups around the, the canals uh, because, well, because of the tourists, um, I mean, not not all the tourists, but uh, it's something that happens that uh, they, they they just throw everything into the canals, and then uh, Monday morning you see all the plastic bags floating in the canals, and well, we we don't want that. And if we create a little lab here, we could just recycle them easily. So um, yeah, well, that's the next stage actually to open a, a lab here. 
and start to in this process of re replicating the, the project around the world. The whole process has a really good, yeah. I think it's a really good mission. And I think that a lot of people can, who've traveled, who understand what it's like to go to a new place and see plastic floating in a river, or even if it's in their backyard, I think less people have it in their backyard, uh, at least in the States. Um, but I think what's interesting is the material that you're making the watches out of could technically be made into a lot of different things, right? Like you could um, make like a brush out of that material or yeah. a cup or something. Uh, yeah, you, you can almost create anything. I mean, sunglasses, uh, headphones. Well, I think what, um, you know, especially in the work that I do a lot with my clients is that there is this need for an alternative to some types of plastic products, um, especially yeah. in like the beauty and fashion industry. And something that we're seeing for next year is this yeah. like tortoise is coming back. And I think when I first saw your designs, I was like, this looks a lot like tortoise. I don't actually know what it's made of. I hope it's not made out of tortoises. I don't think it is. Quick edit here. Tortoise is actually made from a thermoplastic. So not made from real tortoises. Thank you. Um, I have a watch made of tortoise though that I really like. And like glasses are usually made out of that like tortoise. Like it's like a brown and black fleckled material. I immediately thought of your watch. So I'm wondering if like even there's something there in terms of next year as tortoise really like blows up in the fashion world again, mm -hmm. um, to kind of lean into that with your watches and say like, yeah, you can still have this, you know, this look, but it's better for the planet, better for the fashion industry because, you know, accessories and fashion typically has a pretty bad rep. And they're trying yeah, to evolve yeah. into something that is more sustainable. And you have to look really closely at every single aspect of their supply chain to make a difference and yeah. make small tweaks. So I think there's a lot that companies can learn from what you're doing. Yeah, well, that's why um, the thing you're saying encouraged me to create, I mean, to report everything we do uh, in our in our layout, in our production system, or whatever. So the thing that I was trying, I'm trying to to achieve is to be like a, a lab, sustainable lab for big companies. Because, for example, here uh, through some organizations, we we get in contact with Unilever, for example, or Philips. And my goal this year is to find a middle point uh, to work together and just show them how could be uh, one of their products made of recycled plastic and making a collaboration, a cooperation, or just, I don't know, saying, okay, guys, let's take this product and just transform it in something sustainable and just Tell me what you did. <laughs> I don't know. But I think I, I have that. I yeah, think I have that client. So I'll we'll talk about it offline. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. Thanks.
everyone's looking for solutions. And when someone has a good idea, we're like, let's just all run and jump and invest in that idea. Um, so I'm assuming that, you know, growing up maybe, or how did you get into sustainability as a person? Do you, you know, do you live zero waste? Yeah, well, actually I have my, my wooden, wooden, I don't know how you call it, the forks, knives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, I have a little bag with everything um, inside, so I don't need any anything from a store, a food store, or, or something. Also, I have uh, little towels, for example, uh, so I don't use any kind of uh, li- limited. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I could clean them, and and that's all. And also, well, here. You it's really easier in the Netherlands it. to kind of be more sustainable, yeah, right, than that, the United yeah, States. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I was I was exactly going to say that because <laughs> here, for example, if you ride a bike, uh, you could go almost anywhere. Obviously, if I have to go somewhere else really far, I will use the train. Or, for example, if I have to travel through Europe, I will use uh, the bus okay. or the train. But the train is really expensive. That, that's there is a new movement trying to bring back uh, the night trains again because of the low cost companies, uh, flying companies. Uh, these trains uh, had to stop because it it wasn't worth it anymore. But uh, the, the, there is a big uh, amount of people demanding to bring those trains back because for example think that you yeah I think uh, you are working I don't know maybe in, in Germany and you want to go back to Italy for example so you take the night train after your work after your meeting or whatever and you just walk up in Italy and well for you is okay it's not that as fast as a plane but you are being responsible with environment and I don't know, it's just a night in a train that is really comfortable. So it's a I mean trains experience. I take I am on a train at minimum mm-hmm. seven hours a week. Usually that's okay, in one day. Well. <laughs> Usually that's in one day. But the trains are far more comfortable than planes. You have way more room. Like I can't I'm like the buck, the seats are so big. I, I can't fit. Mm. Usually people complain about not fitting in their seat because it's too small on a plane. I, there's yeah. so much space in a train. And I have the same problem is that the trains almost, they don't run late enough and mm-hmm. they stop running at 10 PM, which for oh, most people is, is, is fine. But you know, if I want to be in New York later, it takes and it takes me three hours to get home. And you know, the way the trains line up, because there's a connection, it's like so stressful that I always have to leave New York early because you can't take a red eye train. And yeah. but a lot of people really like red eye flights because mm. they can have a full day in a place and then just sleep on the plane yeah. or whatever it is. Exactly. So. Yes. I think that's a really good idea. And I mean, I feel like there's a lot of corruption in the train system in the United States because 
passenger trains don't make as much money as shipping trains. So mm -hmm. the shipping train companies own the tracks and then the Amtrak, yes. which is a really big company in the United States, Amtrak like leases the rails for passengers. And so they don't get priority over timing. And, and so it's a very, oh, it's a very complex okay. system. So the, the train times are based on okay. when they can use the tracks around all the shipping trains because the shipping yeah, trains okay. make way more money. Um, but that's just like, I, I like to use the train. I mean, I don't live in a place now where I can bike everywhere and it's also cold where I live. Like, so people yeah. still bike around in the winter time. Yeah. Obviously, yes, yes. People here are really used to bikes, and it's really inspiring and mm -hmm. uh, really impressive how the kids go to school uh, in the morning riding bikes, and also the um, the ch the children. For example, when one uh, father is you know, taking his children to the school, they just go with him in the bike, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really cool because, well, um, they are used to it since they are a baby, so yeah. almost a baby. So yeah, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the bike is an extension of their body. It's really, <laughs> really cool. <laughs> I love that. The bike is an extension yeah. of their body. Is that really why you moved to the Netherlands is because it's a more eco-friendly lifestyle? Well, actually, there is two facts that that I really interested about how the European governments act uh, of work. Uh, I mean, Dutch people ride uh, ride bikes because it's affordable. I mean, it's cheap. It's really cheap uh, compared to the public transportation. Uh, we we have a really, a really expensive one here. So you ride your bike, you're set. And also because you have a flat land, so you could bike almost anywhere without uh, having any any hill or anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's really cool how they shaped the entire city to to the bike. Yeah actually and it's really through yeah, it's policy i mean they basically created a culture based on policy for probably city design right i mean they probably were like we need to have bike lanes yes. and then yes. that created a an opportunity for people to bike more and be healthy and it's yeah. funny how people like yeah, can yeah, latch yeah. on to especially when all of these parts are really ideal. Um, I used to bike to work um, mm -hmm. when I was living in New York and it was seven miles straight okay. shot. I took uh, well, I moved around New York a little bit, but my last apartment, it was pretty much just a straight shot down to my office and on a bike okay. lane. And it was pretty easy. Like uh, other than like carrying around my stuff um, and just packing the night before, mm -hmm. Yeah. It was pretty great. And you felt really good when you got into work. You're like, okay, my, I'm like all energized now. And, and we also had showers at my office. So I could just jump in the shower if I needed to. 
uh, didn't have to worry about getting too sweaty. So did you, did you go to Netherlands for school or you're just working there now? Well, actually, uh, it's a really emotional story because uh, I've been traveling with my father the month before I decided to stay in Europe. And we've been traveling around all, all Europe. And I was looking for the right place to set the headquarter of Baltic. Okay. So, well, we started our journey in the Netherlands because we have some friends living here. And, well, I was analyzing all the, I don't know, maybe the society structure, you know. I, I studied uh, design and communication, so I'm quite a freak, like <laughs> analyzing how the people, I don't know. Uh, interact. Um, yeah, interact, exactly. How yeah, cultures and, and, are made. Yeah, mm -hmm. Exactly. And how the local government um, influences has, uh, that. Influences, yeah, exactly. Well, the Netherlands was a really friendly place because, well, they, they have this passion about design, for example, and also uh, the sustainability. I mean, well, they're not perfect, actually, uh, but they are trying really hard to um, to make to to turn the country into a sustainable one so um, this entrepreneurial spirit everywhere that uh, is really helpful when you try to get some funds so in my head i was thinking about a society is a, uh, has uh, is aware of the problem of the climate crisis you have a really good, a really solid base about the design stuff. And then you have the funds. Okay, I was like, it's a really good place to go and try, I don't know, try, try to do something. Mm -hmm. And well, it, it was really, <laughs> really funny because uh, I, I met my, my, my current partner in a like a, in an entrepreneurial kind of event organized by the government mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that one of the talks was much so I, I didn't understand anything and I just uh, opened my computer and started working in either watch uh, thing doing my watch project so the guy sitting next to me was like uh, this talk is, is quite boring. I think uh, what your friend is doing is really interesting. So, well, after after that talk, we, we've been in contact. We, we got in touch. and The rest is history. Now he's my partner. Yeah, exactly. So you have that spirit here. I mean, in the States, I think you have it too because it's a really entrepreneurial country. But... Um, well, because my family is Italian, I could be legally here. Uh, I would love to go to the States, but, well, I think it's quite difficult right now, uh, maybe in a, in a few years or something. It's always interesting when I hear people say that. I mean, what a story, number one. I mean, what a, I mean it's kind of romantic. Um, and also, sustainability, not sustainability people, but really entrepreneurial people, 
um, anyone who has a business, I feel like there is this either pressure to go it alone and like not have time for anybody else and just, you know, put your head down and like hustle really hard. I think for most entrepreneurs, they're scared to have, you know, a, a partner in all of this because it's stressful yeah. to like manage and compartmentalize all the different things happening. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. like I think it's always good to have that support system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I have the, the theory that you, you can, you can have a, a burnout, you know, like uh, have an overload of information about, and they're mostly bad stuff. So I decided to just, stop a little bit the news and keep working because that, that's the only way you know mm -hmm. trying to yeah. inspire by example or something yeah no i completely i completely agree um i know we are running we're running out of time um so i wanted to ask you kind of two questions i'll just combine them for okay. ease uh that i like to ask and that is one is we're not perfect. Um, mm -hmm. As humans, we're bound to mess up. And I think sustainability is hard to be perfect. I don't think there's anyone that's perfect at sustainability. It's just the system no. isn't there yet. So the first question is, you know, do you have moments or things that you do regularly, regularly that makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite? Mm -hmm. And the other one is, What's something that is kind of your sustainability pet peeve that you see around you that you're like, this is something that's so easy to fix. Like we've, this is something I fixed in my regular life or is something that everyone listening to this podcast could do really quickly, could change really quickly. So yeah, the first one being what makes you feel like a hypocrite in sustainability and then what yeah. is like a really easy fix for people in their everyday life that kind of drives you crazy? Okay, good question. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, next week, I have to take plane for going to Argentina. And yeah, I'm really, I, I feel ashamed, seriously. Because, uh, for example, the direct flight, it was really, really expensive, like uh, 900 to 1,000 euros. Wow. Uh, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And I, I choose one uh, going from Paris to States to on the States uh, to Argentina. And I save like uh, 250 euros. That well, that money that I save it goes directly into the project. So I'm I'm glad of that I'm I'm really happy of that because of that but well the thing is well I I can't change the fact that I polluting you know so um, I'm not great at Hamburg to just ask for a sailboat and go directly to Argentina otherwise I, I will do it I, I love to sail and yeah. uh, well that well that's the important thing and the um, thing that it could be easily changed um so i'll give you a couple of examples that people have said in the past not bringing like a reusable cup when oh it's so yeah easy. Well, yeah i'm 
I always have, have a fight with them. They, they just love Starbucks, for example. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the thing is, I don't know how it is in the States, but uh, in Argentina, Starbucks uh, don't separate uh, the garbage. They don't really do it here either. Okay, well, that, that's a shame. Well, the thing is... They're supposed to, if, but... Yeah, well, if you go to Starbucks, you have to ask to not put the, the cup on, you know? Same here. Because in, yeah. Yeah. Because in that way, you are just, okay, you, you have a, this paper cup or whatever, and that's disposable. Okay, well, you have to, I don't know, if you... It's better than want, plastic, right? Okay, like, exactly. It, it, it's, it's better than mixing paper and plastic because in that way, it's not recyclable anymore. So that's one point, uh, or to have a reusable cup, that's always good. I've talked about on the podcast, like, it was one, have like a campaign called Go Topless, hashtag Go Topless, and I think that would be okay. very interesting, um, and I know that there could be a lot of uh, controversy, but I think that it's just like an easy way to not use that kind of plastic. And I mean, the mm -hmm. plastic cups are just a cost for Starbucks. If people used less of them, they wouldn't buy so many. And then their reduced orders mean they have more, actually more income and they could even drop the cost of the coffee. And like, yeah. there's a whole system that people don't like to look at of just this one tiny little action and how that can make a difference. But my other thing yeah. I was thinking about recently was if you ever, whenever I'm in New York and I'm mm -hmm. throwing something away or I'm near a trash can, I'll like look in and there are so many coffee cups. And in my mind, mm -hmm. coffee cups take up a lot of space. I think yeah. that's something that I'm like recently really attuned to is thinking about basically it's air, encapsulated air in these giant trash bags, they're not really getting crushed down. How can we, and they're, and then you're just using more plastic trash bags because they're getting full faster with plastic yeah. cups. Yeah. How I, I like, can we like stack them or there's gotta be like a better way. And I'm trying to figure that out, but that's something well, that I've actually, been thinking about a lot. Yeah. Well, actually that's, that's, that kind of challenges are the ones that I want to solve with my team. Uh, we actually, we, do, we know how to do it. The thing is we, we have to get the funds or an arrangement with mm -hmm. the, with a local city hall or, or something, because for example, uh, for that, it's really easy to make a press, for example, uh, like a special, uh, slot for the coffee cups. And you just, yeah, put just it stack in. them. And yeah, exactly. Stack it, and okay, it, you save uh, a lot of space. Also, another another problem, uh, re not directly related, but uh, that is something really difficult to change is the bank cards. The bank cards nowadays they have it. They has uh, this chip inside. Uh, and a little wire or anything that that, that makes the the, the bank credit card not recyclable almost yeah exactly unrecyclable so uh, uh, you have to check in uh, i will show you because i have one card uh, here 
that is uh, transparent actually uh, no worries and and then okay okay you have the chip here and then you have all the um, wires the little wires yeah through. i see that's crazy my car yeah. doesn't look like that well all of these i think is the the wireless system or something oh. uh, we don't have that yet over here okay I mean, people I just exactly use their phones, I feel like. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, it's basically the same technology, but in the car. Those wires make the, the cards uh, unrecyclable. So you have to be really accurate on which part of the car you cut to just take the plastic. We, we have worked with, uh, with an Argentinian bank to try to recycle it by doing nothing, not, not to separate the chips or anything, just by trying to shred all the, um, the credit cards and try to do something, and it was a complete disaster. So mm. we, have to, we have to fix that in some way. Uh, I don't know, maybe like uh, doing a, like a standard design, you know, for all the cards with the wires in the same way or something and just make a machine to recycle them because it's possible for sure. But the thing is the complexity of each design. You, you never know what, where are the wires or the chips or anything. Hmm. But so, that all stems yeah. from like, and it goes back to kind of what we've talked about before. It all, it all stems from design. It stems yeah. from being intentional and it stems from thinking about like really thinking about the life cycle of the product and and yeah. what people will do with it at the end instead of just making a card and i think the issue maybe with credit cards is you know we got to make sure that they're safe and that you know they're not hackable and blah 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 yeah um i mean well accounts are hackable versus the actual card themselves so i'm not really sure i wonder if the more we go virtual the more, the less waste that we'll generate in terms of we just use our phones, then, I mean, yeah. in some degrees, I think like the phone is actually quite sustainable in the sense that hopefully you have it for a long time and you can do mm. a million things. I mean, some people yeah. don't have computers because they have their cell phone or, yeah. um, and I think it's been interesting. And I think the more we are like obsessed with these things, Maybe yeah. less stuff. Yeah, well, imagine all, all the cameras that we saved. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I was actually thinking, I was like, back when I was living in Australia, I really wanted a DSLR camera because the all my friends had one and like the pictures would have been so cool and I almost bought one and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I, was like, I was like, all right, I'll just like not get one, it's fine. Then I went to India and I was really mad I didn't have a camera then too. Um, but I was still using my phone. And then the cameras, I guess, have just gotten so good that I'm like, why would I carry something else around at this point? Like, only real yeah. photographers need cameras. Regular people don't really need them. I haven't bought a camera since I was like, I got one when I was 16 or something. Like, it's great. Yeah, I think exactly. that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with you. The only thing that uh, I will make a point there is to, um, we have to look out um, how we power the entire internet system because uh, yeah i yeah i heard a really interesting article about for example 
your just your email inbox uh, it's the same amount of uh, one car running for a month for example oh my gosh yeah like it's, it's because all the energy it requires to to run the internet you know it's just a matter of time and also education and cooperation and that's that's why i'm i'm really really grateful uh that you have a podcast as well because you educate people um on how to be responsible about the, there's uh, choices for example if you want to buy something okay which one is the, the best option environmentally speaking so that's really really cool because all of this is really new and it's really complex and there is no like a common law you know so it's really tricky and difficult to to have a, a base you know to to decide so well thank you as well <laughs> oh thank you so much that's so sweet um and that's really the goal i think is as i think again like it is tricky and i think when regular people like have these conversations they start to feel like despair and like okay so that we this is a possible solution but you know there's these consequences to that and then this is a possible solution but there's consequences to that too and you know, what's the best thing? And I think when you study sustainability, you're kind of equipped with the tools to look beyond just mm. this scenario and we're systems thinkers. And yeah. I think that's really powerful. And I think the podcast was just a way to kind of inspire people to show that there are people thinking about this, they're doing something mm. about it. And you can be any age. I had someone on the podcast who was like 16 and has like written a book and started a nonprofit. Like, Anyone can decide tomorrow that they can have a business that makes a positive impact on the planet. So I just yeah. want to thank you for kind of coming on here and, and, um, and sharing your story. And I think I really hope that the watches go viral and, you know, maybe <laughs> at some point down the line, we can do a giveaway yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for any sure, followers for sure. and uh, guys, when I get my watch in May or June, I think uh, I'll let you know what it's like, and I'll do end of May. Yeah, end of May. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I don't know. I'm I'm really grateful, and I, obviously, if you need something in the future, call me. You you have my yeah my contact. I'm excited. I think like what you're doing is really cool. And I think there's really no limit to what kind of products you can make out of plastic bags. And this is just the beginning. Thanks guys so much for listening. And if you want to go support Waltic, go find them on Instagram at waltic.way, which is spelled as it sounds, W-A-L-T-I-C dot W-A-Y. Go find them on Kickstarter. Just search Waltic and you can find their campaign. And if you want to talk to Frederico about making a product out of recycled bags, if you have some ideas, he is open to them. So feel free to reach out to me and I will set you up with an introduction. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Until the next time, stay golden.